Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, our partners at BetOnline, they continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit only when you use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get that bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you for coming into the pod it is almost fourth of july baseball is in full swing so it's time to check in with my cubs consigliere's <laughs> let's see how they're doing <laughs> let's bring in our panel today first up he's sean graves what's up sean what's going on buddy so wait a minute this is not the opening day pod we're actually <laughs> the cubs have been playing baseball for three months i i am missing something here good to There's see you no- guys Good to see you. There's nothing worse than making a prediction of 65 wins and being terrified that they're going to come underneath that number. Uh, let's bring in our other guest. He is a longtime listener. He is a 47th time return guest in this corner. It's Dom Fortini. What's up, Dom? Got my notes. I got everything ready to go. And like Sean said, what? What? They're on tonight? What time? Seven? Uh, we'll see. We'll see if I can make time for that. Those notes look like uh, the, a notebook from The Shining. Uh, it's just oh, a yes. bad baseball written scribble. over, yeah. over and over and over awful. again. <laughs> uh, we're here to check in with the Chicago Cubs, a team right now that beat the Cincinnati Reds in the heart of summer last night, Woo! eight to three. When we're taping this pod, they are now twenty nine and forty six on the season. I tried to look up some stats in the Chicago Cubs. Here's a fun one for all you uh, young Chicagoans looking to go to the ballpark. They're fourteen <laughs> and twenty six right now at home. That is tied for the third worst in wins uh, among Major League Baseball right now. And look, let's just start it off here. We're not going to recap what's happened in this season, but I want to start off with a little bit of, if you've been coming in and listening to these pods, me, Sean, and Dom for the last couple of years, first of all, thank you so much for doing about that. Second of all, guys, we've been right about this for a long time. Uh, we've been talking <laughs> about this for over two years, and it is finally here. The stink fest that we all thought was going to happen is finally now down on Addison right now. So let's just get first blush thoughts, Sean. You can go first, man. Uh, let's just talk about this death march of a team. Now that now that it's fully here, now that we know that the team is officially bad, now that we know that we're not <laughs> even sure where the organization is going with any kind of direction, how have you digested this season so far? I, I mean, I'm still chewing it, my friend. It's just stuck in the mouth right now. You know what I mean? It's like an overcooked steak. You can't get it down. I, I, I don't even know, right? Like, I think we all kind of came into this season. We were Our pr- predictions were anywhere from like 65 to 77 I mean, the one caveat I will give them is that we have just had a brutal rash of injuries this year. I mean, 60% of your starting rotation or what you thought was going to be your starting rotation has basically been down. Suzuki missing a month. Madrigal has even played this year. I don't know. (laughs) So it's just one of those things where you're literally running out a double to triple a lineup every single game. And I know we'll get into it in in a few minutes about what we're looking for going forward for the rest of the year, but it's tough. I don't even think I saw it being this this bad. And again, shame on Jed Hoyer for his BS before the season. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna put a competitive team out there. I thought at the time it looked good, Sean. I thought at the time it looked good. Uh, Dom, Dom, hop in here. I mean, be honest. Um, 
Are you okay. watching? Every, are you watching every game? Are you no. watching all nine innings? Have you bailed no. a little bit? And how yeah. are you going to? How are you going to watch the rest of the season as a diehard Cubs fan? It's tough. Like if I can, you know, first of all, finding the time, and second of all, it's not really appointment watching. Like, oh, who's on the mound tonight? Some guy I never heard of. Great. Let me swarm Yeah, please don't even get me started on that guy. I mean, he's like, that's a <laughs> gots to go situation for sure. But like, I don't know how I, I have this discussion a lot with other people, like I, people who are surprised that they're this bad. Are you kidding me? You want me to be honest? I thought this team was going to be worse. The fact that they do get one, two wins a week is sort of impressive to me. Uh, you know, they took two out of three from St. Louis. Holy cow. Stop the presses there. But this is a team that can't do anything. They have no threat. I'm sorry. They have Wilson Contreras and Morel. Those are your threats. After that, nothing. If I were a team on a losing streak coming to Chicago for three, oh, it's feeding time, my friend. This team is 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 a joke. Uh, this is not a competitive team. And and you're right. It is a lot of double and triple A talent out there. But if that's the route we're going to go, bring those guys up who are exciting, who are the future. Because if at least if we lose with them, you're lose. You know, they're gaining the experience. You're gonna see them improve. I don't need to like, like we you know, Scott Efros. Is he in, is he in the plans? Because I don't want to be in that plan. I I don't know what the plan is. Who's steering the ship? What the goal is? This team is a mess. Well, and that's the and that's the major problem, right? Is there's two kind of shitty teams, right? There's the one shitty team that is completely unwatchable, that has no hope, and it just seems like some sort of you know, dead end. And then there's the shitty team that sometimes you'll tune in, Dama, I think what you're talking about, you'll tune in for a pitcher. You'll tune in for a particular call up. Maybe a guy will get a little hot. And, you know, Chris Morell, I think, is kind of that guy this year. Oh, like, yeah. Let's That's see him get those 400 at bats and let's see if he finishes the year hitting 270, 280. And can we maybe bank on him moving forward? And that would be a pleasant surprise. But, yeah, you know, you're wearing the shirt, Sean. Say a Suzuki not, hasn't been in the lineup for a month, hopefully comes back soon. That's another guy that at the very least I will tune in and watch his at bats yeah. to see how well he does. And they don't really have <laughs> they don't have any of that going on right now. So here's the question, though. They're not going anywhere. This is the we're building the next great Cubs team, Sean. So the big one that I kind of want to get to right away is this fact of this trade deadline that's coming up. And I feel like this is deja vu all over again. And, you know, what? We, you talked a little bit about the offense, and I tried to look it up. You know, honestly, the batting average, the team batting average is about the exact same as it was as the Cub team of last year with the Cubby core. It's about 245 yeah. right now. If you look up home runs, even home runs, they're not in the bottom of the barrel. They're, like, kind of towards the middle a little bit with 73. Their slugging percentage is under 400. Again, kind of sort of middle of the pack. But my question is, why? you know, what is your take on we have to trade – we're going to trade Wilson Contreras. What is your take on we're going to trade Kyle Hendricks? What is your take on we have to get something for Ian Happ? Because I think this is something that organizations, shitty organizations like the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, the Florida Marlins, the Seattle Mariners, look them up, folks, the Kansas City Royals. This is what those teams do is they get bad and then they keep selling whatever good scraps are left. I mean, where are you on this trade deadline moving forward? And who, if anyone, would you want to see leave the team at all? Well, yeah, you know, I was thinking about this too. You know, what's the over under going to be for amount of guys that do get traded this year? Last year, what was it nine? Are we going to be at five, six, seven guys this year? It's hard to tell when, again, Smiley, Miley, Filey, whoever else 
is injured and will probably get traded. As far as Contreras, why? Why, why? do we have what? Why do we have to trade him? I would understand if we had a young stud catcher sitting at Double A or Triple A right now, who we're trying to make playing time for. Last I checked, that ain't the case as far as the farm system goes. Not at that position. So why do you have to trade him? So he wants $105 million. Well, if you lose him, what are you going to do going forward? You're going to pay that money to somebody eventually, right? You're going to keep bringing in the Jan Gomes of the future to catch that can't hit. That's a two-game-a-week two two player. Like, what are we doing? If you make that trade, and that full-on tells me that's a money dump, and you don't have money to spend, and you are not in a retool situation. You are a flat-out tear it down to the studs. Talk to me in four or five years, and we might be competing again. And again, shame on Jed Hoyer and that organization for talking about, we're just retooling. We'll be back competing again in a year and a half. Bullshit. I hate this narrative because it feels like it's some sort of weird clicker that a, a front or front office can do with a fan because a casual fan just goes, yeah, trade them for prospects. We got to get younger and get talent. I'm so sick of that narrative. You're telling me that you trade a Wilson Contreras for a guy who's a prospect that you hope – is good in three or four yeah. years that you hope you find another catcher so, that's going to give you a hundred home runs in a Cubs uniform, a catcher at that particular position. You're always going to be trading someone to hope that someone else actually gets to the big leagues and becomes good again. Oh yeah. By the way, the guy you're trading already made it to the big leagues and is already pretty solid. He's a freaking so all-star. He's going to be the all-star game starter again. And I don't, I don't understand that at all. Dom, should we trade Wilson Contreras? I mean, I, I think, I think Sean's right. There's, there's, I mean, I, I could see it from both sides. What one make room is he, I mean, how long is Wilson Contreras going to be around a decade? I mean, are we, what are we playing for? But I feel like there needs to be a leader of this young team. Yes. Wilson is a hot, and I want to say hothead in a, in a Kyle Farnsworth kind of fashion, but like he plays with passion. And uh, there is zero other passion besides him and Morrell. So I say keep him. Let everybody build around him. Pay the man. He certainly earned it to this point. And, you know, it's it, paying people is just past performance. It's not really f future performance, you know. Obviously, he's going to have stretches where the knees go bad. That's a couple years away. And then, you know, as Sean likes to say, it's the it's the Rizzo situation and my back hurts for two weeks when it's hot and um, and it, it needs a blow. But Jan Gomes, P.J. Higgins, there's really nobody in the waiting here. So unless you're going to go out and get somebody of his talent caliber, of which, you know, at least in the National League, there's not another one out there like him. You might as well keep him. Well, I'm gonna throw it back. I'm gonna oh, go ahead, go ahead, Sean. Yeah. Especially now that the, the DH is in the National League and it's not going anywhere, you're gonna prolong Wilson Contreras' catching career, right? You can keep his bat in the lineup six, seven days a week and only catch him four or five, right? The guy's still relatively young. That's what I don't understand. If he was 32, 33, I would completely understand. Like, yeah, we can't pay that guy. If he was a cancer in that clubhouse, I would understand we need a change of scenery. But none of that's He's not that old. He doesn't seem to be – he seems to be, like Dom just said, he's maturing as a person and as a player. So his hot-headed now – his hot-headedness now does come from a passion, right? And he seems to be a good leader. It just doesn't make sense. I got a brilliant idea. Why don't you front-load the contract? Yeah. This is, doesn't really seem like we're spending money on much else, are we? Right. So would it really hurt 
Like, would it really be like that big of a like a you know a poker to our ass to have a twelve or fifteen million dollar catcher four years down the road? I don't really think that's too big of a thing. Dom, I want to come back to you real quick. You mentioned Rizzo, leaders on this team. Um, let's just kind of dive into ex Cubbies real quick. I just want to talk about look. It's not a victory lap because I'm still pissed off, but Schwarber and Rizzo seem to be having pretty good seasons. They also yeah. happen to be left-handed power hitters. Hmm, and weird. Sean, to your point too, as well. We also have this little thing called the DH in the National League right now. So, you know how how is that digesting for you right now? I know Kevin Alcantara from the Yankees that got in the trade for Rizzo. They actually think that he's going to be a solid player. But talk to the guys on 35th and Vec about how, you know, I mean, young players coming up and whether they stay healthy and they're productive right now. Um, you know, are, are you paying more attention to the ex-Cubbies than you are the actual Cubs right now? No, not anymore. I think I think yeah. there was certainly a, gr a stronger grieving period at the start. Um, it, it never makes me feel good when the good people of Marquee Network or some other crud network on TV wants to play home runs of Rizzo, of which, you know, you're he's 10 off his average. We're not even through the first half of the season. Um, and, and frankly, out of all those guys, I, I love that Rizzo's doing – I mean, his the batting average is down, but you're playing in a different park. You're playing an entire different league. And, you know, besides batting average, your stats are right there. So – I mean, was was he really falling off at all? Uh, you could have kept him. Baez, I, I mean, Brian's only played 20 games. He's got like two hits this year. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen a Brian highlight yet. Um, Baez only has two hits this year. But wait, wait, no, he's played the whole year. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and what was his highlight? Didn't he throw a bat or something at the umpire recently or something like that and then came back? And, but, like, yeah, I mean – they gave us something that was really, really great. Um, so, you know, my, my passion for, for Rizzo and Schwerber is not going away. I would welcome Chris Bryant back to Wrigley field. It's, this is not a stupid Sammy Sosa situation um, yeah. in, entirely different. I just congrats to those guys. And I, I wish them all the best. And look, I think here's the thing. And this is the stuff that Jed and the Cubs keep getting away with is they keep conflating this concept of we had to pay this exorbitant price for these guys. Now, look, like you can play that game with Bryant and Baez, right? Combined, they would have cost $300 million. But if you look at Schwarber and Rizzo right now, they cost about $110 million totality through the length of their entire contract. Now, look, let's be very fair. Rizzo's not coming back to the Cubs for a two-year 36, right? That's not okay. happening. But it's probably close to that 5 to 80. So basically, you get Schwarber and Rizzo for 160 million collectively over four years, and, and then that sort of parse that out. But Sean, I I still just don't understand. I don't understand what they're waiting for. Um, you know what I mean? Like obviously, I know that they deep down inside wish that Wisdom and Schwindel were going to be the answer. Uh, I mean, Wisdom has been exactly what you thought Wisdom was going to be. Schwindel, unfortunately, has been. You had a good week. He had, a, yeah. he had a good week. He's happy to be up playing baseball. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But, yeah, but you know, I, I just don't understand, Sean, how we can trade a guy like an Ian Happ or we can trade a guy maybe even like a Marcus Stroman or trade a guy like a Kyle Hendricks and Wilson Contreras and then also expect to be competitive next year. It seems to fly in the face of what we're trying to do. You do have to have ancillary productive glue guys around your roster, yeah. right, among the big-name stars they hopefully sign in the offseason. Well, and, and again – if you had, you know, and like you said a second ago, check on the check on the south side about prospects. I don't have to go to the south side. Where's Brendan Davis at? Where's Ed Howard right. at? Right. I can look in the Cubs farm system, right? 
It doesn't always pan Where's out. Braylon Marquez? Braylon right? Marquez. Marquez, right? So, again, if you had someone waiting to step in for an E and a half, to step in for a Wilson Contreras, like we did back in kind of 13, 14, you would be able to sell me more on that. It's not there. So if you're going to make the trades with no one behind them, but then you're also not going to go out and spend the money, what in the world are you doing? And I'm tired of hearing from Jed, well, I know the money will be there when it needs to be. Well, when is that? Is that not now? It needs to be there now because you're running out of damn double A team and you're charging major league prices to these, to these people, to the consumers. Like when, when is it going to be there? What are we doing? Last time I checked, uh, you need the money uh, every season. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so weird. The money will be there when it needs to be there. Um, you know, this is a quick hit episode. I want to run a couple lightning round uh, options with you guys here real quick. Dom, you're going to go first on this one. So Oof. we're talking about this and the deadline's coming up in a month. I want you to give me – can you give me actually three guys – and you can do a couple more if you want to. Give me three guys that you think deserve to be on this Cubs team next year. I'm not saying that they're pieces. I'm not saying that they're foundation guys. I'm saying that, look, I, I've seen enough, and I can say to myself, you know what, I want this dude on our team next year outside of the Kyle Hendricks and the probably the Wilson Contreras. Well, besides me, I deserve to be on the team next year. <laughs> uh, and as much as you would like to have Aaron Judge and his 47 home runs a year, I certainly don't want him mulling about a, a well in the outfield for a while because I just I can't have it. Um the easiest the easiest go-getter would be Trey Turner. He fills yeah. three different positions. Um, now, granted, we've got Nico. Props to Nico. Not a threat, but he's doing well. Uh, 303 batting average, 83 RBIs, 200 hits a year, and 20 stolen bases. And, and that's not something your team would be interested in. I disagree. Um, and he's probably going to be cheaper than Aaron Judge is. Aaron Judge is going to get $300 million. And the Cubs, you know, as much as they want to say the money's going to be there and we'll have more money next year for what you're not going to pay these guys huge amounts of money. Xander Bogarts, Carlos, like, well, I just, just real quick, Dom, like, isn't it so funny, too, that this is what happens? Like Cubs fans need to understand this, especially when I was railing against trading all those guys last year is when you trade all those guys, you put yourself in the desperation organization pile, desperation organization pile overpays for everybody you then have to go out instead of spending 200 million dollars on seven different players you're now spending 200 million dollars on just one player that is yeah. the whole problem that you get yourself into you literally could have brought back again the schwarber rizzo combination two pieces there and then just do maybe one guy the year after and now you're in this position where you might have to do two guys tom it might have to be judge and one of the infielders, like Sean, jump in on this. You know, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa. Of those three, which one do you probably want? Uh, which one would you be more interested in? Well, I, I think Dom's spot on. I think Turner's number one. I think he's 1A. If I'm going to go 1B, I'll just say just – I would probably say Bogarts. I would probably – He's having a great year. I think he's 26. the oldest. I think he's well, the oldest. Bo 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 no, Judge is older. Bogart, yeah. Correa is the youngest at 27 this year. Bogarts and Turner are both 29. So that's a thing too, right? Turner and Bogarts both going to be playing next year at 30. You're going to give a 30-year-old shortstop six years at, at an overpaid salary. So what is that, 200 million? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I said, again, if you're the Cubs, you probably have to. Aaron, I mean, Aaron Judge would be an absolute beast. And again, <laughs> I mean, but again, like with the DH, you don't have to worry about him 
playing in the outfield nonstop going forward. You know, give that guy a six-year whatever number, let him play out there while he can, and then three years from now he's your full-time DH. Um, but let me say, like, as far as like guys I want to see on the team for next year, let's just look at the, t- the guys we have now. The guys that I think so far to me that have earned that I'm like, I need to see them next year. I need to see Morell next year. Nico, absolutely. Seiya Suzuki, uh, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson. That's probably the end. If I'm not including. Ooh, he he almost not, did Ian Happ. He, you thought about <laughs> Ian Happ. And, and Ian Happ is well, not in your list. Why? Well, I don't know if he's going to be here. I no. mean, I, I fully expect that Contreras, Hendricks, potentially Ian Happ are most likely going to be gone. If Ian Happ, if Ian Happ is not traded, then I'm I'm 50-50. I mean, the guy's having a great season. I mean, I I've been one of the ones that was very tough on him in the past. I can't he's having a potential all-star season. I'm not gonna take that from him. He's been really, really good this year compared to the past. But those first five guys are the only ones off this team that deserve to be back. The rest of them put them on the bus back to wherever Florida. Yeah, I'm 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 also on the fence with Ian Happ because um, we we also have to realize that it's it's funny kind of what happened with the Cubs too, right? Is they burst on the scene as what 23, 24-year-olds yeah. and then the evolution became stagnant and they actually didn't take it up to that next level. Where Ian Happ's trajectory as a baseball player is actually more similar to what I feel like a lot of other players have in this world where, you know, you don't really figure it out until that fourth or fifth year. Yeah. And then maybe you do become the player that you're supposed to be. I'm not saying he's supposed to make buku bucks, but um Dom, we got to get you out of here in just a second. Um, I do want to ask you real quick, you know, let's go back in the time machine. Because, uh, you know, that's what, that's what I'm thinking about. Like when I put on the Cubs, it's like so depressing. It gets me thinking about the years when actually the Cubs are great in the summertime and these games mean something. And I actually think of, you know, Ramos Ramirez hitting a walk-off two-run home run. You know what I mean? And they're, we're tight in the race. We're not there right now. So I wanted to ask you, you know, give me some of your favorite favorite summer Cubbies. Uh, they're not the best players in the world. They're not the best Cubs, but they just kind of remind you of the good times. They remind you of the good teams, and they remind you of, you know, Wrigley Field when it was rocking. Uh, well, shout out to my neighbor. I brought this up to my neighbor last night, like, like summertime Cubs, and he gave me Derek Lee. And I promptly packed up all my belongings and left because I can't I can't <laughs> handle being a neighbor with anybody who cheers for a guy who danced on this field in 2003. Uh, I put Juan Pierre in that same category. Great, you know, good summer Cubs for sure. Uh, but yeah, personally, go scratch. All right, so we have this this great discussion. I uh, Albert Pujols. I, I know he's not a Cub, but Albert Pujols at Wrigley Field always meant. That's interesting. Something. It was a big series. Whenever the Cardinals would come to town, uh, you had mentioned Jim Edmonds yesterday. I still view Jim Edmonds as a Cardinal. Like he was. Yeah, know, but I me, was re- I was referencing him as a Cub when he. Yeah, came. I know. Remember we signed I, like, him. Free agent, <laughs> he just started popping balls in the basket in the middle of summer. Was, you know. But those but those guys even when they they didn't play for the Cubs necessarily and they came to town, you were like, let's do this. Like let's go beat this team because this team is great. Um, all right. So in terms of Cubs, summer Cubs. Um, this is not my metal stand yet. Uh, I got Mark Grace. I, I'm rocking Ted Theodore Roosevelt Lilly. Huge summertime Cub guy. Uh, Kyle, uh, Miss by a Mile, Kyle Farnsworth goes on that list for sure. Mm. Um, but my uh, but my three summer Cubs, uh, backwards, number three, Antonio Alfonseca. Um, this guy would just, you know, what a, I mean, he'd be six, six. He'd be out there sweating, you know, 
and just, you know, misfire. Like one day he's going out and throwing 95 plus striking out the side after he walked three, the next day he's giving up monster home runs. Uh, number two, no surprise, Matt Merton gets on the list. My favorite redheaded left fielder who uh, did a magnificent job during some, uh, some lax years with the Cubs. But number one, you, you, you mentioned it, the, the summer cub, the guy who bailed us out so many times in his year, years here, Aramis Ramirez. That mm. just screams summer baseball at Wrigley. We just had, was it yesterday or, or two days ago? He just had the anniversary of what you just referenced when he when Len Casper goes crazy and he hits the walk-off and they had come back from like five or six there. runs. And I was at that game. I mean. Wait, was that the Brewers game? It was. That no, was Brewers, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Len Casper's just, ah, he did it again. He did it again. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. But like Aramis was, was huge in the summertime and it would get hot, like, even with, when he was on Pittsburgh, wasn't very fearful, and I didn't understand why, but he came here and tormented not only teams in our division, but teams around the league, and it just he, – he won a lot of games for us in the summertime, and, and you know, thanks to Aramis, if you're listening. Thanks for the call, buddy. <laughs> Dom Fortini, we love you. Thanks for hopping on the pod, man. Uh, happy 4th of July. Me and Sean are going to go for a couple minutes, man, but great to see yeah, you. Be sure to keep all your fingers. This is not a Jason Pierre-Paul situation kind of holiday anymore, okay, folks? And God – may they win what, what are we at 32 right now 35 they gotta get 30 wins somehow good luck everybody how is there not a psa of like hi i'm jason pierre paul you might remember me from winning the super bowl but i'm also known for something else hey hot three all right guys three. have a great day everybody thank you dom go marquee go uh sean yeah so i one of the ones that i had on there was glenn allen hill um you know there's yeah. no gloves just like he would come up it'd be a hot day so he, he was an easy sweater you know what yeah. I mean? so his like arms would be glistening and just pop a, a pinch home run uh you know who are your favorite summer cubbies yeah you know i mean i was looking through your list and don mentioned quite don mentioned quite a few like the one guy that really stuck out to me for a whole lot of reasons that i remember just being like God, this is going to suck and end up being so cool. Was Jim Edmonds? Was Jim yeah. Edmonds? Because it was one of those, like, if I remember correctly, one of those, like, early kind of summer trades, like mid May. So, really, right when you were getting into summer, he was with the Padres. He was having a bad year with the Padres. Not hitting well, right? This was his last glass gasp. Yeah. And you're just like, why are we trading for this former Cardinal that is just sucking it up? And then he comes here and has a, a monster kind of like first month. So, like, end of May, Memorial Day, into like mid June. And he's making these crazy catches and he buys in and it just gives that team a huge boost. And they go on to win like 97 games, I think. And I just remember that entire summer, like going from having this hatred from this former Cardinal to rooting like hell for this guy. I'm like, I'm so glad he's a Cub now. So that's kind of the one guy that really popped out of my memory in like the last 20 or so years. Yeah, honestly, those Pinella teams were very, very likable. They yeah. were likable squads. They made summer baseball so special, yeah. especially those two years. Yeah. Um, and obviously didn't get it done in the playoffs. That's kind of what anyone really remembers at that particular time. Yeah. Uh, but so Sean, before we get you out of here, man, uh, I want to spend like maybe the last 10 minutes, just me and you kind of putting some stuff out there, putting some stuff on the record, because as we mentioned at the beginning of the pod, I went back, man, it was December 29th, 2019, I believe about to be 2020. And we were talking already about how, the Chicago Cubs do not have the fans' best interest in mind 
with the current state of where they were going with their franchise and how they're going to spend their dollars on the field. Now, I will tell you, I have noticed recently uh, that your local, the local Chicago sports radio has just now kind of started picking up on this. Yeah. And it's not that we're doing a victory lap because this just makes me really upset. But, Sean, man, we've seen this coming for a really long time now. We've been talking about them paring down the payroll, pointing the finger in a different direction. Oh, well, we can't spend money because of the arbitration numbers. We have all that we need to win with. We don't need to supplement it with, I don't know, a leadoff hitter, uh, I don't know, a center fielder. You know, the list kind of goes on. Yeah. You know, a, prob- a, pro- a, pro- uh, a proper closer of any kind. Yeah. So we've kind of already been on this, Sean. So my question for you is, you know, how does this sort of play out over the next year or so? What do you think – possibly is going to happen and more importantly what do you think needs to happen man that is such a it's such a big big question i mean i I, i've been you know you've seen jed hoyer coming out quite a bit recently giving interviews left and right because i think him and that ownership are starting to figure out i mean you look at the stands there ain't forty thousand people in middle of june in the summertime sitting in them stands anymore and we're only six years removed from us like literally just standing and cheering and toasting them every time they would cross our path. I mean, all that stuff is gone, man. And I I imagine they're seeing those marquee numbers and those ratings too and going, Oh shit. Like we're, we're in trouble here. Like we, we, we needed to be way more transparent a year and a half ago than we were. And now we're screwed. We're behind the eight ball. What do we do from here? And, and, And I really think maybe it needs to start with that. Like it needs to start with coming out to the fans and giving, giving us the financial blueprint. Okay, guys, here's where we are. I know we keep telling you the money's going to be there when we need it to be. It's it's not possible for it to be here right now, though, because of this, this, and this. It can't be here right now. We think by 2024, we're going to be good to go again. We can push all our chips in. If we need to spend $250, $300 million, we can do it. So I think it starts with that first off. I think, secondly, you want to get you want to gain some goodwill with the fans again? Don't trade a Wilson Contreras. Give him a contract. Let us see. Let us see that you're willing to keep someone who's having a great year, an all-star year on the team, as opposed to being like you just said, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Kansas City Royals, who gets a guy good enough, and then when it's time to pay him, says, now we got to ship him off. It starts the clock all over again. It's just a a rotating door of 19, 20-year-olds into 24-year-olds that get good. They trade them, and then they're 19 and 20-year-olds all over again. And and then how can I believe anything you say if we're going to keep doing that? How can I believe you're telling me that we're not rebuilding? We're going to retool on the fly if I'm watching you trade away our best players year after year after year. You're just kicking the competition window down the line. So I think those are two things they could start by doing. And then I don't know, man, I, I kind of think what Dom said, if you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, anybody at AAA, AA level that you think, I don't want you to ruin anybody, but tell me why a kid like Caleb Killian, who I know, I know he got roughed up a couple starts in a row. Why are we sending him back down to call up Lighter Jr. to start him, to start Matt Swarmer? Let the Killian kid pitch. The rotation going forward, Killian, Steele, Keegan Thompson, Kyle Hendricks, and then Dominic for all I care. But those four, if you're not going to trade Hendricks, those are the four going forward. Let me see. Let me see if that four can be my my top four going into in next season. I mean, if they can, that alone, that's a huge first step, right? Now you got at least between Killian, Steele, and Thompson, you got three young potential studs 
that aren't costing, costing you very much money, now your competitive window opens up a lot quicker and you spend that money on a Trey Turner, on an Aaron Judge, etc. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's funny, right? It's, it's a philosophy thing. And I always think about it all the time, especially with these prospects where, look, we don't know the intimate details of their process sure. right now. So we always, you know, I, I definitely think we'll see Caleb Killian again. But it is a fair thing to kind of question and ask when you send a guy back down. There's two schools of thought on that, right? Is one is this is a production business. When you're in the big leagues, you got to produce yeah. or whatever, and then you go back down. The other one is, how do we work a guy through adversity? Um, yes. You know, when he gets roughed up a little bit. Now, look, Giolito's not having a great season, but I do like to make that as an example where the White Sox just ran his ass out there yes. and said, dude, your ERA is going to be over six, but these are going to be valuable, valuable, valuable moments for you, my friend. And I think this is the kind of the position that the Cubs are in right now. And, yeah, no offense, man, no more Alec Mills, right? No, um, and well, we, that's the thing, too, right? The Killian again. And, and, and my final one real quick is just, you know, Keegan Thompson, man. We've been on Keegan Thompson for over a year and a half of give yeah. this guy a chance. The part that I, you know, I, I, I will question is did they bring him along the right way or could they have brought him along earlier? Because even at the beginning of the season, they were doing this stretch out, um, you know, long relief stuff. Yeah. How, you know, it took them months to be like, well, maybe we should put this guy on the rotation. If he's given us four innings out of the bullpen, he can't give us four or five in the front. You know what I mean? Like, that's the part that I don't understand. He was the best team. He was the best pitcher on the team from spring training through through mid-May before they finally were like, yeah, maybe we should let him go out there. And he, I just like – He'd it, be the well, team's only all-star if it wasn't for Willie. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, but going, going back to what you just said too about, you know, adversity. Like, if, if, a, if a kid to me is pitching to an ERA of one and a half and two at triple A for two and a half months straight – Okay, it's time to come to the big leagues. I don't care. I don't care if you get your head kicked in right now because I need to see if you can. I need to see if you can handle that. I know you can handle AAA. You've you've just pitched to an ERA of two for three straight months. That's not that's not really challenging you anymore. I need you at this level now. Let me see what kind of stones you got. Can you pitch through this? Can you go out here? I mean, look at Keegan Thompson again. He got his head kicked in and back to back starts with the Orioles and Yankees. He said, "I'm not throwing my four seamer enough." He made an adjustment. And the kid's been great the rest of the month, right? Let Killian come back up here. Let these guys. Chris Morrell. Chris Morrell got bumped to the nine spot last night in that game. Why? Why is Rafael Ortega my leadoff hitter? Chris Morrell has been killing it. I don't want to hear matchups anymore. Put Morrell at the leadoff spot every damn game going forward the rest of the season. And let's see if he's not the next some version of Soriano. Let's, let's just see it. I don't want to see guys losing playing time to Ortega or to Jason Hayward or to Clint Frazier if he gets called back up, right? If you don't if you don't trade half, your outfield going forward every day, six days out of the week, whatever, Hap, Suzuki, Chris Morrell. And then occasionally you fill somebody in, right? Right, and that's the thing is Morrell needs the reps at leadoff hitter yes. because if he isn't going to be the leadoff hitter on the team, you know exactly what is he going to do for your exactly. lineup in general. Exactly. And the thing with Killian is we watch Killian starts. It's not like his stuff doesn't play. No. The problem was he had a hard time staying consistent with his mechanics yes. on an inning-to-inning -inning basis. And honestly, because he's a young kid, on a batter-to-batter -batter basis. Yeah. And that is all sounds like adjustments, adversity, yeah. a mentality. You know, And you got to keep running that dude out there. You know, uh, and, 
I mean, you're not going to – I just – I don't believe in this whole concept of you are going to ruin a kid if he gets his head kicked in because I think in general the team sucks, right? Like, yes. it, I think it's different if, if they were running down a wild card right now or they were in first yes. place and he was getting his head kicked in. I think that can mess with the player a lot yes. more than if you're 29 and 46 and everyone's getting their head kicked in on the regular and then you're the one that's having that kind of problem. In terms of what happens next year, I mean, yeah, Sean, I mean, I can give you a blueprint – I can kind of give it to you, right? I, I think I'm on board with Judge. I am. I, I, I think I think I'm on board with Judge. Now, look, is he the $300 million player that we should have signed? No, he's not, right? I think that should have been the Manny Machado, and that should have been the Bryce Harper of a couple of – you know, when we sure. had that opportunity three or four years ago, yeah. that has passed. He's probably the new guy. And, look, you're going to have to overpay by 20 to $25 million to at get there and Judge. At, at least – and then I think what you're going to do is you're going to try and pair him with an infielder, a couple other things, right, and say, hey, look, we just spent $400 million, we, we just spent $500 million over yeah. the next whatever, whatever, and that's their big off-season selling point. Again, yeah. Cubs fans, keep in mind, that is not going to be enough. Nope. Right? That is not going to be enough. I think, if anything, next year could be just as frustrating as this year because you will add those pieces. They will be a little bit better, but they will have glaring holes all over the place. I mean, we keep we do not know who our closer is for next year, right? And you're not going to go out and you're not going to buy a closer because oh. you're not in that position right third, now. Third base, first base, second base, put catcher right. if you trade Contreras, right? You don't know. You could sign Turner and put him at shortstop, and and then I guess that would bump Nico to second. But then you're missing your corners and your catcher still. Absolutely, yeah. No, and third and third and first. I mean, I've been on record. I didn't believe. Wisdom and Schwindel could combine for 140 RBIs, which I think is the bare minimum that you yeah. need to get out of production-wise from those two positions. And they're not even going to sniff that. I mean, yeah. I think Wisdom's going to get to 60 or 70. Schwindel, you know, the poor guy, he just it's just not going to work out for him. It's just nope. not. But then here's the other thing, Sean, is that so we go into next year and we have those guys, and let's just kind of play the game that we're like 500, right? We're playing the game a couple games over 500. I think that trade deadline then next year, I think that one is going to be perhaps one of the most important times because at that point we are going to have to make a decision on do the Cubs, the Cubs are they're not going to keep everybody, right? Christian Hernandez, Preciado, yeah. uh, Triantos, or you know, what is it? Picro Armstrong, Al Alcantara, all these guys, Brendan Davis. These yeah. guys are all the, you know, outfielders and shortstops, right? Yeah. So it's going to come down to putting together a package of those people and it can't be the Jose Quintana. You have to hit on that one. Yeah. And you have to hit on that one particular trade. And then once that happens, the year after that, like you said, 2024, you better be ready to go all in. And yeah. I know you just spent $500 million the year before, and that's the dicey part, Sean, is they go, well, we just spent all this money last year. You're going to have to do it multiple years in a row. And that's the problem. That's the problem that I don't – I keep trying to stress to Cubs fans. It's not about – the homerism, I get it. I love the World Series heroes and yeah. stuff, but you already had guys in-house that would provide you with the type of production that you need at a value that wasn't going to kill you. Like, yeah. Schwarber signed for four for 80. Four for 80, man. Yeah. And you he's could, got, what, 22, you got 22 home runs right now. I mean, and, yeah. and look around. You could have done Castellanos too as well. I mean, that that whole list goes on and on. But now you're in a position where you got to double down. Yeah. So, I, I mean – I'm I'm really curious to see how they kind of play this, not only like in the public eye, but behind closed doors to reshape this team, because I think it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder than people think, yeah. and this could be a long time. 
Well, and you know, you're, you're, you're starting to get, I've seen a few of the, the fire Jed Hoyer articles already. I've seen that stuff pop uh, up. I mean, I think, you know, I think that's premature, but that's, but that stuff is, is already here. It's, it's right, burning right. in the background and it will grow more and more. If you, if you lose this trade deadline, if you don't spend money in the off season, it, 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 there has to be a better plan than whatever this is. And right. Wasn't that the problem we kind of said, like in our preseason pot here, none of us knew what in the world they were doing. Even, even when you heard them talk, it was like, I don't think they know what they're doing. Yeah. Like what, like what, 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 that's what I need to hear from those guys going forward. What are we doing? Do we plan on going out for like you, like you wanted them to do this year, right? One, you know, one, two year deal is for Castellanos guys like that. Are they going to say, look, Shit, we can't even do-, do, even do three. Like, you know, Jed Hoyer loves to say you can only spend a dollar once and it always hurts the yeah. dollars of tomorrow, whatever. Dude, get out of here, man. Three-year deals. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Three-year deals are that prohibitive to your team, to that, to your franchise? Like, I get it. Don't give Jason Hayward a seven-year deal, all right? But we're talking three-year deals here. By the time a lot of these kids are even ready, if they ever are ready, yeah. it's going to be in 24 and 25, right? Yep. So yeah. I just that, that part I, I always thought was just – I always thought that that was a, a, a smokescreen, just yeah. you know, trying to explain to people in a way that made it seem like, you know, not the actual reality. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting, man. I, 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 I you know, and you, you're dead, you're spot on about all the local media here finally being all over these guys about what are you doing and screaming about the Wilson Contreras thing and, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, welcome to the party, guys. Welcome to the party. Like, same people that said last year, Sean, same people that said last year, Sean, we have to get rid of everybody. Yeah. It's time, it's time to move on. We can't keep them around. I mean, I look like I get it. Like you couldn't keep all of them. All right. Yep. I'm not, that's not what I'm advocating. I'm saying what you do is you target a couple of them that you want to stick around for the future. I want to, I want to finish on this final one real quick and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I was talking to someone about this on a previous pod. The Anthony Rizzo thing still bothers me, dude. It what it, you can't tell me. You can't tell me that Rizzo and the Cubs broke up over money. You really can't. You really can't tell me that. There's something else going on there. Is what is what is your take on that whole situation? And keep in mind too, as well, just to be very fair, he can opt out after this year. Yeah. And it's an only a two-year deal with the New York Yankees. So I mean, the guy can. There's a lot of flexibility for Anthony Rizzo moving forward. But I mean, I, it just kind of blows my mind that he's paying. He's playing for probably a sh- the same money or maybe a million dollar less than what the Cubs offered him at five for seventy, which was a slap in the face. Yeah. And you know, and he's playing and he's playing pretty well. And it just, it just doesn't make sense sometimes when the face of your franchise just leaves like that for a two year prove it deal. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. I mean, ultimately, I'm happy happy for him to be where he is. <clears throat> I think he loves it there, and they're a really good team. You know, as far as if it was more than money, I don't know, man. Sometimes. You know, when you have when you have an idea and a belief of what your worth is, and someone comes in and says to you, "We think you're worth seventy percent of that." Actually, pride and ego, man. When you when you've accomplished as much as he has, and you and you know he he knows what he is to this city, and he knows what he has been to this franchise. He knows that there's a there might be a Rizzo statue out front one day. He he knows this. Mm-hmm. And so when you come in and offer that dude five at 70, when he's asking what a, he already took a free, a team friendly deal once, you know, you're saying five seventy and he wants five at a hundred. Like that's a huge slap in the face. 
Like that's a huge slap in the face. And, and unfortunately I, I can see it being really just about that. Like, and, and I don't think he's forgetting that anytime soon. He, he may be able to opt out and be a free agent. I think the Cubs could come to him this offseason and say, hey, man, we screwed up. We'll give you four at 150. I, I, I don't think he'd take it. Mm, I, don't think, I don't think he would take it. I think it's still so fresh in his mind that, wait a minute, you guys thought so little me a year and a half ago that you wouldn't give me five at 100, 20 million a year, especially knowing the DH was coming to the National League where I could go out there as I get older and just swing the bat for you, put the ball in the basket in right field when the wind's blowing out. I could do that. Look what I'm doing with the Yankees. I just, I think, unfortunately, it, it probably is about that. It's so. It's and, a, and, it's and unfortunately, good. you're probably, you're probably maybe onto something too about Schwarber because you declined his $10 million option. And now the guy's making twice that amount. And I believe he's hit 60 or 70 homers since yeah. they he's declined that option. He's an all-star, yeah. all right? Like, and he's, cru- he's cruising towards another one right now, honestly, if yeah. he keeps playing the way that he's playing and, and hitting home runs. It's just a curious time. And there's a part of it that kind of just makes you feel like, you're all you're constantly asking yourself like how did we get here like it's yeah. just well it's just a it's, constant thing and it's that thing too right where we keep having that question of what's next and when you look at the rest of this season it really is about what we said like let's see these specific guys go out there and play every day but then you look at a lineup card and you're like why are we why are we sitting on a lineup as if we as if we're playing to win something like i don't need to see the matchup lineups you know we, we need to win the game today Actually, no, we suck. If we're going to suck, let's, let's get a five, let's get a top five draft pick next year. And let me just play the guys that need to play every day. That's, that's what I had to look forward to when I watch the games, when I see a lineup with Ortega, Clint Frazier, yada, 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 and Morrell's on the bench. I'm like, I don't need to watch today. These guys won't be here. Yeah. Because look, look, and, and we'll wrap it up on this as, there is a world. Now, we've done a lot of uh, bitching. We've done a lot of complaining. Yes. And for diehard Cubs fans listening to this right now, let me try and spin something that's positive right now for the Chicago Cubs. But it's all going to be dependent upon the Chicago Cubs. And let's also not forget, too, Courtney Hawkins is the general manager now of the Chicago Cubs, too, as well, Cubs fans, for those pointing all of your ire at Jed Hoyer. Absolutely. Um, but, I, you know, here's a couple ways to spin it, right, is I think by the end of the year you want to have a couple of things happen that we've already sort of highlighted, right? I think you want Chris Morrell to play – a healthy full season. I'm in agreement with you predominantly at leadoff, right? Just yeah. to see it, give him that exposure. Cause look, anyone can hit eighth and ninth. It's about hitting that leadoff position. And look, we, that's a big bugaboo for the Chicago Cubs. What for the last 20, 25 years. I mean, yep. when Kenny Lofton came in 2003. That's when it started happening. You know, when Ryan Terrio in 2008, 2009 is when it started happening. Dexter follow. We all know the story there. We need to figure out who that leadoff person is. Nico Horner, uh, you know, again, it's always going to be health for him every single year, but I feel confident with him being on the team next year. Yeah. And look, those are great, like, glue guys that can kind of fit in, in, the, like we said, the leadoff, the two-hole, the six, seven, eight spot, roll that lineup over a little bit, keep the ball moving, and bring a little bit more versatility to a lineup. Yeah. Nick Madrigal, hopefully, we got to see something from him. We got to get 200 yeah. at-bats out of him before the season ends just to kind of figure out what's exactly going on with him. I would keep Ian Hat personally. I would play him – Throughout his through his contract through next year, um, I mean, unless they want to do one of those those sweetheart deals of like, hey, we'll give you five for thirty five or five for forty right now, you know yeah. what I mean? Lock, lock you up, Ian. You can just stay here and not have to worry about it and forget about it. Let's do that. 
uh, Suzuki, get him back and healthy, right? So I just named five offensive pieces that aren't even Wilson Contreras that I'm not saying are everyday players, but are guys that can be on your team on next team, year, yeah. right? That's the big they're, one. They're, they're major league players. Yes, yes. Yeah. You hi- you highlighted Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, Caleb Killian. Um, I think of all the, uh, you know, you'd love to have two of them work out. I think Justin Steele is actually going to work out pretty well. I do like where Keegan Thompson is going. He's always been my favorite out of the bunch. Yeah. And then you have guys like uh, Caleb Killian and maybe like a Cole Franklin or something like that. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can solidify that because then you can walk into next year with a collection of that, Strowman, Hendricks. I mean, look, I love Hendricks, but Hendricks is he's a year or two away from either no longer being in the league or no longer being a Cub. So he's not really in my future plans. The idea would be to target – another starting pitcher maybe not top shelf but someone that's really solid next year that you can possibly bring in and then the big one for me man is the final one is we got to find a closer dude yeah i i I get this whole uh we're being and this goes back to your competitive point i get this whole david robertson michael Givens. i understand giving those guys opportunities seeing if they can lock stuff down but look i want to see if rowan wick can do it i want to see if efros can do it i want to see find me a guy who find us our next Carlos Marmel, find us our next guy, our Hector Rondon, who we can grow through the organization. I know we're all talking about homegrown pitching. We always think starters. I'm thinking bullpen on this one too as well because that's the stuff that you end up spending money on that's a 50-50 crapshoot, and it either works or it doesn't on a yearly basis. How nice would it be if we had cost-controlled homegrown bullpen pitching and we can spend it in other areas? That, that would be that would be that's that's my goal there. And then in the offseason, you go out and you actually get, you know, you, you find the linchpin for your infield and you just buy power in the outfield. And yeah, that's your left fielder and your DH. There's two guys there. Well, and as far as the bullpen, you know, I, 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 I have hopes that um, the kid we got from the White Sox was it Cody Hewer Hauer? Uh, Hoyer. Yeah, Cody Hoyer. Hoyer yeah, that potentially uh-huh. comes back from Tommy John. Like, I think I think he would have been the first option this year had he been healthy. I, I don't. I don't think Rowan Wick is that guy. I just don't. He loses command too much. The home run ball. I don't think it's him. But I think that the the Hoyer kid has got a chance to to be that again. We'll see, right? It's a crapshoot. Yeah. But you're right. It would be great. The more homegrown you can have anything, right? The better. It frees up money to go out and spend on the big guys like the Turners and the Aaron Judge. If you can build that pitching staff, whether it's starting or bullpen from the from the farm system, use that money on the on, like you said, the power going forward. It's just going to be time will tell, and it's not just going to be time will tell. It's also going to be about, you know, are they serious or not? And in my opinion, and it maintained for the last, like, two years now, is I don't think they are very serious or very concerned. I do find it very interesting that they did have to throw Jed out there this week just to do a couple of laps because uh, the, the the cover is blown, Sean. Yep. Uh, everyone finally knows, I think, what we've kind of been intimating for the last year and a half is that, look, the on-field product – is not the most important part of the Chicago Cubs right now. And I don't really necessarily see them, you know, kicking the tires anytime soon. You know, we'll have to see in the off season. I will agree with a lot of the Chicago sports heads is that the worse they are this year, the more incentivized they're going to be to be better next year. So maybe that's something that Cubs fans can hope for, which is kind of morbid, right? It's a little morbid. Um, Let's lose. It can be good. I think they had the sixth pick in the MLB draft as it stands yeah. right now if the season ended today. So let's keep let's keep going for it. Uh, but, no, I mean, it's it's an abject disaster. 
And unfortunately, you're just trying to hope that you walk out of the season with, you know, five, six, seven, eight players that can at least be on your team next year because you're going to have to overhaul this whole sucker. You're going to spend a ton of but, money. And, yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you one last question before we wrap it up. What, the over-under nine of last year, guys traded. Is it under this year? Is it under significantly? Or are we pretty close to it again? I will tell you this right now. It better be under, dude. It better be under. I'm serious. Like, I really am. Like, I'm tired of – I mean, look, like, let's let's play the game, right? I think David Robinson – David Robertson, excuse me, yeah. definitely gone. Um, I would definitely take calls for Patrick Wisdom. Um, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to get a lot for him. But, look, I don't think he's your future either. So, that's the one time where I think you can maybe do something, you know, there. Yeah. And then you have the, the Contreras, Hap – Contreras, Hap, and Hendricks situation. Um, I personally – look, I'm not going to be shocked or crestfallen if they get rid of one of them, especially if it's like a Kyle Hendricks or something like that. But yeah. I would like to think that, man, you gotta you got to keep Wilson Contreras. Come on now. you got to keep yeah. – I mean, I would have traded Wilson Contreras two years ago. Yeah, That's what I would have done. Yeah. But now that he's still on this team and he's the only one left and he's the only quality thing that you have and you can't yeah. easily replace an all-star catcher like that because, what, there's only maybe – two or three catchers of his caliber in the entire major league baseball right now. Um, I wouldn't do that. And then, yeah, I mean, dude, I, I, I'm going to probably maybe put it at like three, four five, something like that. I think Michael Givens is an easy one too. Givens, as well. I mean, I, could, I mean, I know they're injured, but could Wade Miley go? Could Drew Smiley go? I mean, could, could Frank Schwindel get a call or two? If somebody needs a right-handed bat off the bench. I mean, I, I, that's the thing. I, who, we don't know. Yeah. You start throwing these names out there, you're starting to get pretty damn close again to six, seven, potentially. Well, and then you start playing into the Anthony Rivas thing. We need a power. We need a lefty power hitter off the bench, yeah. and you get a bag of balls for him or whatever. But keep in yeah. mind, I don't even think you get a ton for Wilson Contreras, to be perfectly honest with you. None of these guys that we've just mentioned is actually bringing back any sort of talent that I think you could project with any type of confidence. If yeah. anything, these are just 50-50 lottery balls and maybe hopefully guys that you throw into a bigger package for a different trade somewhere down yeah. the road. But my thing now is I'm done with trading prospects. Like you said, we did 9 and 10 of them last year. We added, plus the Darvish trade, we added 14, 15 players to the organization. Why don't you try and start drafting a little bit better? Why don't you try and start developing a little bit better? And then why don't you try and figure out who is productive on your major league roster that you can use and not build around, but have someone that can play a role on your successful team next year and hopefully in 2024. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I don't want to see these guys, you know what I mean? I'm just... I'm over it, dude. I'm over it. I'm with and you, man. And then that Jason Hayward deal. I mean, God, tick, 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 Sean. Well, I, well, I, that's a podcast to itself. I feel like that. Why is he oh, still? Oh, it's been sad. It's it's sad, dude. Why is he still on the team? And why is he playing? Even David Ross admitted, or Jed Hoyer. No, it was Jed Hoyer. They asked him about that. Even Jed Hoyer admitted, yeah, he's probably playing too much. Really? Cool. Cool. We're sitting the young dudes down, and we're playing Mr. Second Base, roll over, ground out, sit down. Good to know. Good to know. We got to get out of here. This was Bet on Chicago with Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Today's episode is also presented by Baseball Lifestyle 101. All summer long, if you go to BL101.com, I am working with them on a cross promotion. If you use promo code Joey Sports Guy, you'll get 10% off all of their sports apparel all summer long. Thank you so much to the guys over there. And also thanks to Don Fortini who hopped on for the first part of this pod. And thanks to my good friend Sean Graves for hopping on for 
both parts. He's a four-quarter player, folks. He's I a four-quarter podcaster. Game, every game till the end, from the beginning clock to the bottom. I don't stop. We wanted to squeeze this in before the holiday. Everyone have a wonderful 4th of July. We're coming back with one more episode before that happens. And until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.